You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. We are back for Hour 2 of Real Presence Live here on the RPR Network. Thanks for staying with us. I'm Brandon Clark, joined by... Good morning, Brandon. John Clark. John Clark. And uh, we just finished up a really great hour of conversations that I want to make sure you check out. So the first one we talked about with Dan Donaldson about the Heroic Men Summit, Identity of a Catholic Man. That's coming up on December 10th. want to encourage you to sign up for that by visiting catholicmensleaders.org or heroicmen.com, catholicmenleaders.org or heroicmen.com. They have a great lineup, including Father John Ricardo, who people hear him on the radio, John Edwards from Just a Guy in the Pew, who has a great conversion story, and uh, Dominic D'Souza is, is the other guy. So I want to encourage you to check that out, sign up, December 10th. We also just finished a great conversation in this last half hour with Michael Pauley, the executive director of the South Dakota Catholic Conference, about voting in the midterms and our moral responsibility to do so. That's right, I said our moral responsibility to do so. And we talk about why that is. We talk about things to keep an eye on, where issues stand in terms of importance, and the fact that we really need you to get out and vote to not just think about who's going to be representing us at a national level, but the local level. You know, our, our local state legislators, state, sen- um, state senate, state house, and even down to the school board members, down to the issues that end up, the different measures that end up on the ballot. And one of the things that uh, Michael was talking about was the legalization of marijuana in South Dakota. That's coming up on the ballot. And uh, he talked about where they stand, where the bishops actually stand on that. And then North Dakota, same thing. So really want to encourage you, listen to that podcast and also do your research as you prepare to head to the polls, because there's some really important issues to keep an eye on. And those podcasts are available at realpresenceradio.com, also available on the Real Presence Radio app. Right. If it, and if you've already listened to this, send the message to somebody else. Say, so you got you to listen to this. He really came across, Michael, with some practical, yeah. um, you know, the, the way to approach it mentally and, and spiritually, you know, is I think really what you need to do. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, sometimes for a lot of people, it's just a a throwaway thing, you know, voting. Mm -hmm. Just go do your civic duty of voting. But the way he laid it out is it is really, really important. We have a great responsibility as Christians, as Catholics, to go forward and vote, especially for moral issues. You know, there's a lot of, even if you're listening, you know, over in in Michigan, right, there's there's a a measure on the ballot to, to legalize abortion, in Michigan, you know, so no matter where you're listening, because we know there's people listening from all across the country, there's a lot of things to keep an eye on. Just real quick, what's really kind of grave about that is the, the, a lot of these measures want to put it in their constitution. Once yeah. it gets into the constitution, forget it. It's yep. not coming out. So yep. we got to act now. Yep. And Michael said that coming in 2024, they're looking to do the abortion measure in South Dakota. They're starting to gather the signatures and, and getting that. So be aware, South Dakotans, that this is coming down the pike. Uh, because after the overturning of Roe versus Wade, we know that they want to push as hard as they can to constitutionally have abortion accessible in every state. So keep an eye on that. Even if you're not voting on it now, 
you know, watch what's coming down the pike, watch what they're starting to work on over the next couple of years, because these things don't just pop up overnight, generally speaking. So, all right. With that said, we want to move on to our next conversation. I'm really looking forward to this one, John. Mm -hmm. You know, St. John Paul II himself is, is amazing, right? But we're going to visit with a gentleman who was actually a Swiss, Swiss guard when St. John Paul II was Pope. And to do that, we want to welcome in Andreas Widmer. Good morning, Andreas. Good morning. How are you? Thanks for having me. We're very well. Thanks so much for being on with us. You know, one of the things that I would love to talk about before we even get into talking about the time with St. John Paul II is, how did you become a Swiss guard? What's that process like? It's all about good looks. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. I can tell that that from from being on the radio. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I have a face for radio, I have to say. So, no, it's a, it's an interesting story. The, the Swiss Guards is, is the oldest uh, military in the world, continuously operating military in the world. And we're over 500 years old, and, and it's it's now a foreign legion. So Swiss were famous as being legionaries in the Middle Ages, and uh, the Pope hired them, and we have remained with them uh, ever since. So when I was in Switzerland... I went uh, to the Swiss military, which is mandatory. We, we are a militia, so everybody, every male has to go. And so I did. And then beyond that, I mean, Switzerland is not a Catholic country. It's a Protestant country. So I found out about the Swiss Guards, and I applied. And then uh, they, they accepted me. I went through all kinds of tests and things. They accepted me. And when I went to uh, the Vatican, I had to give up my Swiss passport, and I received the Vatican passport. Because, as we know, you can't serve a foreign state, head of state. Because we're like what the Secret Service is. We're the Pope's army. You can't go into a, the army of a foreign country uh, with, a, with a passport, you know, with a with the passport of another country. Um, and so the way they solve it is they do tolerate you doing this. That it's the only country you're allowed to do this for as a Swiss national. But while you're there, you're not Swiss. You're actually a Vatican citizen. So with 20 years old, I became a <laughs> I became a Vatican citizen, and I joined this, which is still today, it's a foreign legion, and I served the Holy Father for two years. Uh, when I went back to Switzerland after that, I I was able to get my passport back, and there's no prosecution or anything. There's this kind of agreement they tolerate it. So, you know, every, we've got our perception of, of what the Swiss Guard is, you know, we see them standing guard and so forth. It, tell us a little bit about what, what, was, a, what was your day-to-day life? I mean, what, what was was that? What you did? I mean, you you guarded the Vatican. I mean, that's what you're called. But yeah, yeah. So there's two two aspects of of the Swiss of the Swiss guards. You you sort of see what what uh, you see them from the outside in the colorful uniform and everything. Those are usually the younger guards, especially those who are standing sentinel. They stay stand there immovable. They're basically just statues there. They do honor service, and those are the young guys that we put there. And then the the more advanced you become, the less you wear that uniform, and you actually, you know, the real protection of the Holy Father is done in a, in a suit and tie, just like the Secret Service here in the United States will protect the president. And so we work, um, you know, wherever the Pope goes, we're the ones right next to him, and that's more done in a suit and tie than in a, than in a uniform. And we also work. We also protect him at night, so the palace or the, or the, the hotel at this point is basically covered with Swiss guards and different levels and different um, 
different jobs or different positions, uh, you know, to uh, protect the Pope as, as he rests. That's great insight. I've always wondered about that because I've always seen, you know, Swiss guards standing there. I'm like, what do they actually do besides stand mm-hmm. there? Um, so that's, that's really great. You know, when it, when it comes to, like, if you think about the Secret Service, right, for the president, their job is to lay down their life to protect the president. Is it the same for the Swiss guard, uh, for those who are, you know, uh, the ones in the, in the shirts and the ties and, and uh, suits? Who are yeah. standing guard? Like, is it your job to lay down your life to protect the Pope? Yeah, this is this is literally what we uh, what we promised when we joined the Swiss Guards. There's a big ceremony every year on May 6th, where all, all the guards who joined that year pledge their life to lay down their la- life uh, to protect uh, the Pope. And I did that in let me see, 1987. Um, I pledged to protect. My, uh, to protect John Paul II with mm. my life. It's a very emotional ceremony. You yeah. do this in full armor. like it's a, It looks really cool right out of the Middle Ages. Uh, but it is serious, and, and we mean it when we say it and when we pledge it. I'm guessing there's an extra level there, too, you know, protecting the head of the Catholic mm. Church, you know, and recognizing that Christ laid down his life for his bride, the Church. Can you talk a yeah. little bit about that? Yeah. We do, we do some spiritual exercises before that, and there is certainly an, a spiritual aspect to this. Um, we, we identify, of course, the Pope is, is the, the successor of Peter, and is the Vicar of Christ, and therefore um, we try to, in a, in a way, we're a part of his ministry, and we try to enable his ministry. Now, that doesn't mean that we're these mean guys standing next to him to push everybody away or something, but we're actually trying to optimize his ministry by making it as safe as possible and still be the ministry. And so we we need to work very closely with him so that he doesn't get shut off from people, that people don't get, uh, you know, people don't get, uh, you know, hurt or offended or pushed away from him who, who does really a, a ministry, you know, uh, represents Christ in that sense. And um, we try to be not noticeable, but very effective uh, when needed. So it's sort of a, it, it, it has a spiritual aspect to it, but it becomes, of course, very physical when something does happen. And, and Pope John Paul II, really, um, the things I remember about him growing up is that he really wanted to touch the people. He wanted to be with the people. Mm-hmm. I would imagine that really... It gets to be a, a, a quite the task. Yeah. To you know, from a security it's, it's, standpoint, very difficult, very difficult to protect him. He would, oh, you know, when it was a crime, you you could take a turn and walk smack into the middle of the car. You can count on it that he did that. <laughs> um, he was such a people person, and you could see that he was uh, an extrovert. He 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 became more lively when he saw when he was with people. And that's why I'm mentioning this that our our job here is not to keep the folk away from mm. people, but make him as safe as possible with it, with people, uh, because that's how we see this. We're a part of his ministry. We're not just simply a, a security force that, that does whatever it takes to create security, but we're actually optimizing his ministry to make it as safe as possible. Wow, that's great. You know, if you're just tuning in, we're visiting with Andreas Widmer, who is a former Swiss guard during the time of St. John Paul II. We've talked a little bit about what it's like being a member of the Swiss Guard, how Andreas got into it, you know, the role of the Swiss Guard, maybe something that we actually didn't know about, you know, when it comes to them. 
When we return after the break, we're going to talk more about his experience specifically with St. John Paul II. I've got a lot of questions because this man, he was an amazing man and serving right next to him. Andreas, you described it as being a fly on the wall. So let's continue this conversation right after the break as Real Presence Live continues. Don't go anywhere. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. For centuries, healthcare has been central to the healing ministry of the church. Today's technologies offer exciting possibilities, but also serious moral questions. More than ever, we need healthcare leaders who serve with integrity and conviction. The University of Mary answers the call to prepare leaders anchored in moral courage in a breathtaking range of programs from bioethics to nursing. Visit catholicprofessional.life. The very day that uh, I was appointed as bishop, uh, I came over to the studio and, and uh, had an interview with you, and, and so that was my first introduction to the Real Presence. It's been it's been part of my life as a bishop from the very beginning. And I felt, you know, from that very very first time that uh, we talked uh, on the air, I, I felt like I already was being introduced to the faithful of our diocese and to this whole area, which which is a great thing because you know one of the the challenges for a new bishop, an old bishop, any bishop is to um, have contact with his people and to be a part of their lives in some way. And Real Presence Radio, from the first day, has helped me to do that. I really feel like I have a way to to reach the lives of our Catholic faithful and others as well who just happen to be listening. And and that's a real blessing because in a diocese as large as ours, area-wise, it's it's hard to get around to every place. And um, I traveled all the parishes as much as I can, and and yet this is a way that I can reach people that otherwise perhaps I wouldn't be able to visit with. And they get a chance to hear what's on my mind, and, and uh, through different events that I've participated in on the air, I've heard some of their questions too, which has been a lot of fun. So it's it really is a blessing to me. I, I feel very fortunate that this this network is so alive and so vibrant in, in our diocese and really in this whole Northern Plains area. It's wonderful. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Well, speaking of great Catholic content, we are visiting right now on Real Presence Live with Andreas Widmer, who is a former Swiss guard by the side of St. John Paul II. So if you've missed any of the interviews so far, I want to encourage you to go back and listen. But now is a really great time to listen because we're going to get into the heart of the interview. So, Andreas, thanks so much for staying on with us. Oh, it's my pleasure. I love John Paul and talking about him. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's a reason they called him St. John Paul the Great uh, because he was just an amazing man and, of course, is a canonized saint. When, when we look at your time, so you said you came on in 87, and obviously there was an assassination attempt that happened before that, 81, I believe it was. You know, I'm guessing there was a change in the Swiss Guard and what you guys did 
from that point. So what was it like when you got to the Swiss Guard and you started, you know, being by the side of St. John Paul II? Yeah, it was still very present that, you know, several of, of my superiors, many of my superiors were pretty much all there in 1981. I started at the end of 86, and then in 87 is when I was sworn in. But um, many, my sergeant was the guy who called Ali Akhtar, um and arrested him and so on. And so the pre- this was still a very present thing. Um, cha- security changed after the assassination attempt. Um, things were installed to make him uh, more safe. Uh, some of the windows and stuff and things like around him that he would just be accept- that he'd be visible, but you couldn't uh, just access him like that. And then, of course, the amount of people around him. You see, when you protect somebody in close uh, proximity like that. And you still want the person to go into, you know, be with people. The only way to protect somebody is with your body. Mm-hmm. And so we put more more men close to him that would close ranks in front of him if somebody would attack uh, like that again. So that's, you know, that's also, of course, that, the, you know, pledging your life becomes very real because what you're practicing all the time is to put yourself in harm's way if somebody would attack him. Um, and our, you know, when you protect the Pope, it's mostly um, a defensive protection, not offensive. Like you don't, you know, start to chase people. You basically just keep him safe and sort of close around him in a circle to make sure that nobody can uh, can hurt him. And this was all, of course, trained way more after he uh, after the, there was an attempt on his life. And you know, and now I still, you know, I'm still going back to the Swiss Guards every year for a week or so to help. You know, just in the background of things, uh, not with guarding or anything, but I, nonetheless, I live in the barracks there, and I see that the level of security, just in the technology and everything, is just things move, huh? Um, and it's the Pope, the Pope Francis, is in very good hands with the Swiss Guards now, and things have become way more sophisticated even than when I was there. I can imagine. You mentioned in the. Um earlier or actually Brandon did about you being a fly on the wall how how was your interaction um with jp2 how did you interact mm-hmm. with him did did you have contact with him on a frequent basis or, or tell us a little bit about your interactions with him yeah so that's the great privilege uh, we have is to you know you're you're around him 24 7 whatever he does his guards are going to be there sometimes you're in uniform because you're in the room or just some something official happening or even up at the apartment, uh, there would be somebody in front of the room with a uniform. I, I actually met him there for the first time when I was just a recruit. You know, I just or I just finished the recruit school, a, a very new guard. And he would, uh, a curious man would walk around and go open this door and that door. And so, so he would see you and, and then have a quick conversation with you. Now, mm. you know, I, I got to know John Paul not from deep, long, deep conversations or so. I never... Uh, had an opportunity to do that, but but what he did is he would interact with you because you're always there. It's almost like somebody. Well, it is like somebody you work with. That he he meets you first. He asks you. He starts to react to you in a sense, and then sort of. I felt like he had a conversation with me for the whole two years and even beyond. I would go back and visit him once in a while. That we had a sort of ongoing conversation that was not. You know, I never had an hour long conversation with him, but mm. short of conversations where he would react or he would give me something to think about. 
And I always felt that they were continuous, that he picked up where he left off the last time. And, um, you know, I had a huge, you know, uh, the, the thing to say here is that the reason why I joined the Swiss Guards was actually not religious. It was because I'm, I was a military kid, and I just loved, you know, tough kid, and I, I loved... Uh, the thought of me becoming a bodyguard, the fact that, that, that it was the Pope to protect was, was something that I only really realized later on. And it's not that I had something against the Pope, but I was just not religious and not really paying attention. It was only once I met him that he became such a, he made such an impact on me. But I remember just being in his presence and saying, I, I want what this man has. Mm-hmm. Whatever he has, that's what I want. And he noticed my admiration in a real sense like he said he could tell and he he would tell me what you want here is not me or or, or what i do what you want is who i have mm-hmm. you want a relationship with jesus christ and and he would give me the rosary and, and teach me how to pray and i had this profound profound uh, spiritual conversation and spiritual uh, conversion through my contact with him that's beautiful. Would you say that's what you remembered most about your time with him, or is there something else that sticks out to you as like just really profound? It's. I have to say, it's two things. His his look, the look of his eyes when he looks at you, it's just a beautiful, most most endearing, loving look that you can think of. And then his joy. You know, he had uh, he had this joy about himself. And, and remember, I was there at the end, you know, at, at the height of the Cold War, right? When, when Solidarność, you know, the Solidarity Movement, where, where, where things were so tense in Poland and everything, this man had a lot on his shoulders, yet he had this profound joy um, about him. This is what I mean when I'm saying, whatever this guy wants, that's, uh, has, that's what I want. That's what I was witnessing. And there he said, well, you know, if this is not me, it's Jesus Christ. That's the, the profound impact he had on me, this absolute reliance on God, but then working, um, you know, according to God's will. It's, it's sort of this twofold thing. You have a reliance on God, but you do you pursue excellence yourself in everything you do. And he was a, be- a beautiful example on both, on both accounts. Yeah, that's, that's just fantastic. Now, Andreas, you have, um, you have two books out right now, or do you, uh, you have one, right, The Pope and the Seal? And another. Would you yes. mind tell us a little bit about? Is, is some of this uh, recollected in in one of the books or both? Yeah, all all of this is recollected. What I just talked about is recollected in the Pope and the CEO. It's it's a book. You know, I came to America and I was very blessed with a, with a career as an entrepreneur, and I helped run software companies and grow them and everything. And i I saw the I saw the good and the bad of the free market and of of, of capitalism, if you wish. And I started to eventually say, is it a good or a bad thing? And and for me, you know, I'm a business person. I run companies, and I took some time out to reflect on that and pray about it. And as a result, I wrote this book, The Pope and the CEO, which is really meant for business people, also young people, to discern uh, what the, what career, what they want to study, and so on. And sort of my my summary of what I learned from him. I, I then eventually became a professor at the Catholic University of America, and I teach business now. I teach entrepreneurship here at the Bush School of Business. And throughout that, I, I, through teaching, I learned more and more about what, what is actually at issue today and what do people misunderstand most. 
and I teach something called principled entrepreneurship, and I I came up with these five pillars of principled entrepreneurship, which is to which is the five most misunderstood parts of starting companies and running companies and entrepreneurship or the free market, and those end up being the five pillars. And I wrote a book about this, which is in story form. You know, I'm a storyteller, as you can tell what I'm doing right now. I tell stories about uh, business people, and, and on, on the last book called The Art of Principled Entrepreneurship, I tell the story of Art Sioka, who's, who's pretty much the creator of, of the wine industry here in the United States. But nobody knows him, but they should. And I'm very privileged to tell his story uh, in this book. And, of course, the five pillars that I'm writing about are derived from, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm foundationally uh, uh, my thought is informed by John Paul II's theology of the body, and so that's those five pillars really uh, represent those. Even though the way I'm presenting it is much more in a secular language than in a religious language, because I want to reach business people with this. So, Andreas, we only have a couple minutes left here, but I want to make sure I ask about this. Saint John Paul II was canonized on the 27th of April in 2014. Were you able to be there at the canonization? And what was it like you know, knowing you served under a a saint of the Catholic Church? I was there the day, just by God's grace, I was there the day after he died, and I saw him the day after, within 24 hours, I was, I was able to pay my respects to mm-hmm. John Paul II after he died. I was there at the, at the beatification, I was there at the canonization, always by the providence of God, very, very grateful, grateful I am. The, the beauty of so th- this is a saint, and I, I, I want to just leave you with this thought on that. He would always say that sainthood is something that is for all of us. I'm very elated that he, you know, I was felt that he was a saint, and I'm elated that he was declared a saint. What frustrates me is people whitewash him too much in the sense of saying, he put him on a pedestal as if you could never reach this. That is not true. Mm. John Paul II would want us all to know that every one of us can do what he's doing, this, is, this has to do with grace and our cooperation with, with grace. And sainthood, he would say, is not for, for the Middle Ages or for a thousand years ago. Sainthood is for today and everyone who's listening to me right now. If you want to go to heaven, you're going to be a saint. And we were made, made for sainthood. This is who we're made for. Mm. So this is not as difficult as people think it is. It's not something you achieve. It's something you become. Exactly. Yeah. Well, Andreas, thanks so much for being on with us and sharing your story, sharing more about St. John Paul II, you know, especially such a, a personal testimony of your experience with him. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Scott. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. All right. When we return on Real Presence Live, we're going to continue our discussion on Election Day. We've got a good friend of Real Presence Radio, Jason Adkins, who's the Executive Director of the Minnesota Catholic Conference, who helps us continue that discussion when Real Presence Live continues. Please don't go anywhere. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 